And here we go again. I have no idea what is going on. I have no idea what it means. But here we go. Louisville basketball. The topic is yours. This is Wake Up 502. This is Big X Sports Radio WXVW 96.1 FM, 1450 AM. A little bit of white snake coming in. I don't know what happened on Wednesday. I don't know what it means. The University of Louisville fighting basketball Cardinals. Wanted to act like they had some life. They went down to South Beach. They got it done. They knocked off Jim Laranega and the Miami Hurricanes. I am completely befuddled. I am confused. I am <laughs> I am without uh, – well, I have a lot of words. I won't say I'm without words, but I got plenty of words. But I am still trying to process what I saw, what it means, if it means anything at all. Um, I have no idea, but I guess we'll find out in about – you know, three hours or so, if if it means anything. Uh, this is uh, welcome into Wake Up Five Hundred Two. This is Rashawn Myers, uh, your boy, taking care of you this morning. Um, not sure if Haven Harrington is going to be along today. He's out on assignment, getting some things done. Um, but uh, I will be here with you for the next couple of hours. We will be breaking down everything in the local world of sports as well as national uh, topics as well, especially considering it is Super Wild Card Weekend. 
Um, just an absolutely chock full weekend of big time NFL football matchups. I am very, very excited about a lot of these matchups uh, going down. So we will get into that. Uh, we will also get into Louisville football uh, once again, making a lot of waves and making a lot of big time acquisitions uh, in the transfer portal. Uh, have that going on as well. Jeff Brom continues to just knock home runs. I think he's trying to single-handedly keep the Louisville fans excited uh, while going through uh, what's been uh, a difficult basketball season, to say the least. He's at least doing his part uh, to keep everybody excited. Um, but you know what? Kenny Payne and crew got a little bit of help um, you know, doing that on their own on Wednesday uh, with their big win. So, of course, we're going to get into that and much, much more. We're going to get into it from individual game standpoint as well as what it means going forward, uh, you know, who – do we think can re replicate what happened on that day and uh, what needs to happen if Louisville's going to try uh, to put together some type of second-half run and if it ultimately means anything? Um, you know, uh, it's a lot to get into. And, of course, if you want to get involved, the best way to get involved, 502-414-1450. That is the Thornton's text line. That is the best way to get involved with us. Make sure you check out uh, any of the – 82,643 local Thornton's uh, gas locations for everything in gas, goodies, grubs, uh, you know, little, little taquitos, hot dogs, whatever else, but donuts, anything you like, you can get it there at uh, local Thornton's uh, near you. Uh, so make sure you check those good folks at Thornton's out. You can also give me a call on the Wake Up 502 buzz line. Uh, that is 502-384-1450. Uh, I am manning the phones as well. So if you want to get involved and you have something that just moves you to want to comment on it, I absolutely would love to hear it. Uh, I want to give a big shout out. Uh, to my buddy Mike Rutherford, I was on with him yesterday afternoon from 3 to 6 p.m. Mike comes to you every uh, weekday, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6 p.m., um, just does an amazing job, uh, one of the true icons uh, in the city of Louisville when it comes to Louisville athletics. Um, and it's always fun when me and Mike get to sit in there and do our thing together. It went, you know, it was a three-hour show, but anytime we're in there, man, it just seems like the time flies by. Um, so, you know, I really, really appreciate Mike allowing me to sit in with him. Uh, we had a great time, a ton of great interaction. You know, I love uh, hearing from you guys, um, you know, your thoughts on anything that we're talking about. And there was a ton of interaction yesterday. So definitely appreciate everybody who got involved in the conversation. Uh, you know, I, I thought that we had some really great insights. I think you guys had some really good insights as well. Um, so I expect that that will keep rolling this morning as well. So 502 uh, 414-1450. That is the Thornton's text line. So I would love to hear your thoughts there. Um, but I would guess the best place to start, um, of course, is with Louisville basketball, just because, um, we actually have some news to talk about, some positive news at that. I mean, it's been a while, um, you know, after the fact that Notre Dame had begun to kind of get off the snide and start to play pretty well, uh, in uh, you know, as ACC play started, uh, we uh, you know people started looking at models and projections, and the projections started saying that Louisville was not going you know not be they were not going to be projected to win a game uh, in the ACC conference schedule. Okay, so that was of course with how tough it had been Louisville playing so far, getting blown out by Pittsburgh at home, 
uh, the news, of course, that Dennis Evans was no longer going to be able uh, to play uh, for the Cardinals, as well as the fact that Emmanuel Corfor and J.J. Trainer uh, also announced. Well, J.J. Trainer was announced that he, you know his shoulder injury was going to get have him done for the year, but then also Emmanuel Corfor, Trey White still out with injury. Uh, there had been a definite turn in the, you know, I, I know what was already considered a very difficult stretch for Louisville, and you know the the negativity and just kind of the malaise that had fallen over the fan base had hit kind of the biggest level or highest level of suckage I guess we can call it so far everybody was just kind of in a mood no one was happy everybody was you know annoyed with everything that was happening nobody expected Louisville to do anything so I would say that the annoyance of the fan base was probably at all-time high when Louisville was headed down to South Beach nobody expected Louisville to go out there and do anything I honestly was out doing other things and just kind of listening to the game just because, A, I just didn't expect much to happen, and I figured I could just go back and watch the particulars on replay on an ESPN app or something like that. Um, But lo and behold, you know, Louisville came out. They got hot. Mike James, I believe, scored like 14 points in the first four or five minutes of the game. He comes out hitting threes. Uh, the team started out shooting the ball very well. Um, you know, Miami kind of clapped back and, and, you know, got kind of hold of the first half, coming back to take a bit of a lead into the se- second half. But, of course, Louisville comes right back. They continued to fight. Sky Clark, um, you know, was making some big-time plays, you know, getting steals, uh, knocking down shots. There, there was a, a, scenario, a scenario where – you know, the inbounds pass gets stolen by Clark. Clark kicks it to Mike James, who does like a Steph Curry step back, but instead of shooting it, kicks it over to Sky Clark uh, for the three-point three bomb for the corner. And it was just a game where Louisville actually looked like a team that was, you know, organized and ready to rock and roll. Um, you know, now don't get it twisted. Uh, while the offense looked better, the defense still left – you know, a lot of holes, but it was one of those situations where Miami was so rattled that they just couldn't get it together. I mean, the last eight minutes of that game, they looked like a team that was absolutely panicking and absolutely not believing that they were in a situation that they were in. Um, and Louisville was able to take advantage of it. Uh, it was a tie ball game with, I believe, about three and a half minutes to go. And Louisville finished the game on a uh, on a 9-0 run uh, to win the game. So, I mean, you know what? I give Louisville all the credit in the world. I give Kenny Payne all the credit in the world and all the coaching staff and guys over there. I was very happy to see them win. You know, everybody knows that I have been as critical as anyone on Kenny Payne. I think that's, you know, putting it lightly. I have been, you know, very direct in my opinions about how things are going with the team. And, you know, when they can go out there and they can do something different, I never want to see – I never – um, cheer for anyone's failure. Okay, that that's not the way things work. You know, I, I just look at the information that I'm giving and I give my opinion about the way I think things are going to go. Do I want them to go that way? Not at all. But you know, things usually, you know, I just look at things and then if they are expected to go that way, that's just the way they go. It doesn't mean I take any pleasure in it. I hate going out to the KFC Yum Center and watching Louisville lose games. Um, but it kind of unfortunately is what it is. It's like, yeah, that's what I kind of expected to happen. So, you know, just got to keep everything in perspective. 
Um, but it was awesome to see the guys out there playing well. Everybody was excited. J.J. Trainer and Emmanuel Corfor, those guys were on Trey White as well. We're all on the sidelines. They were, you know, kind of hopping up and down, smiling. Everybody was excited because uh, finally Louisville was going to get their first road win in like two years. Uh, and Kenny Payne was going to get the first road win of his uh, Louisville career. Um, so, I mean, there was a lot of firsts that was done. Kenny was excited. The players were excited. And, and it was just good to see because, you know, even when things aren't going well and even if uh, things are going down a road, uh, you know, to an expected outcome, you still don't want to see anybody just continue to lose and lose and lose because that's not, you know, that's not good for anybody. Um, you know, it sucks for the players um, and it sucks for everybody involved. So, you know, I, I was definitely happy to see that happen. You know, now the question is, is this gonna is this game gonna end up being the start of a turn of the page and a turn of a corner for Louisville basketball, or is this gonna be you know kind of what we saw a couple of times last year, whether it be the Western Kentucky game uh, early in the year uh, when you know Louisville kind of just out of nowhere had that unbelievable performance and knocked off um, a decent WKU team, um, you know, or of course uh, the um, Clemson game where you know little everybody. Just kind of you know, everything fell into place. You know, L. Ellis goes for like 30. Um, Louisville's actually hitting shots for once, and they end up getting a, a you know nine-point win over a, a good Clemson team, a, a win that ultimately probably kept Clemson out of the NCAA tournament. Probably not even probably. Definitely is the one loss uh, on a you know Clemson team that had a good year last year that kept them out of the tournament. Um, so. You know, that's the question. Is this going to be just the kind of out-of-the-blue game that ultimately just means nothing and, you know, Miami is going to be the one who's hurt because they just lost to a terrible team? Or is this a sign that Louisville has really and truly turned a page? Uh, you know, can they repeat their performance? Now, of course, I think there are good things and bad things. Um, or I won't say bad things. There are good things and things that can be put into question uh, when you look at the game itself. Uh, you know, the, the game was very, very exciting. Um, you know, Louisville came out, played extremely well, uh, especially on offense. And, and I think this is what – this game was looked a lot like what I saw last year from Louisville, um, where you would just see, uh, you know, a Louisville offense where, you know, L. Ellis would just get on a tear. You know, in this case, L. Ellis's role is being played by Mike James, where he just gets on an absolute offensive tear – is really, really scoring the, the the ball and going. And then, you know, you have like a Jalen Withers get hot. So then you have, you know, Louisville just making all the plays offensively, and then they get enough stops defensively to make it a close game. I mean, people, uh, you know, may forget, you know, Miami was a really good team in the conference last year, of course. They made a Final Four. Uh, Isaiah Wong, uh, their big-time guard, was the ACC Player of the Year last year. But one game where Louisville played really well was against Miami. And, you know, I don't know if it's the style. I don't know, you know, the specific reason why um, Louisville plays well against Miami. But Louisville played really well against Miami last year, and that's something that I guess I should have considered when looking at this game because I'll tell you one thing about this Miami team um, is that they have shown to struggle um, you know, without try, trying to get past not having Isaiah Wong. Isaiah Wong was such a um, dynamic player 
you know, anytime you lose a guy who was conference player of the year, it's going to be a struggle to replace him. Even if you were bringing back a lot of the other guys that are, were a part of that. So, you know, you're dealing with a team that's still trying to get their identity together. I mean, everybody um, remembers what UK did to Miami earlier in the year uh, when they just absolutely blew the doors off the Hurricanes um, in Lexington by like 30. It was just an absolute beatdown. But Miami, I do believe, is still kind of trying to get themselves together. They've also been dealing with some injuries. Um, North Chatamere, um has been banged up. Nigel Pack has a bit of an ankle issue, uh, and, and Wooga Poplar was playing his first game back and ended up having to log 34 minutes. But, you know, that's not to take away from anything that Louisville's done. But this is a Miami team that's still searching for their identity. They're still searching for their health. They're still searching for um, consistency, okay? And I think that, in my personal opinion, it felt like a game where it seemed like Miami may have – you know, I, I don't want to say – no, I do want to say it. It feels like a game where they felt like they could just walk in there. They did not have any respect for Louisville. They did not have any respect for, you know, what the Cardinals could do, and it just seemed like they thought they could just roll in there and just take care of the Cardinals. I don't think that they were very well focused. I don't think they were very well prepared. Um, you know, it was mentioned by the announcers on the game that uh, Jim Laranaga had not felt very good about what – you know, how they were practicing going into that game. He didn't think they were playing crisp. He didn't think they were practicing very crisp. Um, and in my personal opinion, it showed, you know. It, it showed. It seemed like they were a little sloppy. Um, they really, really had an issue with the matchup of North Chatelmere on um, on Brandon Huntley-Hatfield. Um, Huntley Hatfield, you know, was a big, strong guy. Norchad is more of a undersized post player, um, but yet and still, they continued to try to allow Omir to defend Huntley Hatfield one on one, and Brandon just basically, you know, bullied him. Uh, he kind of just big bank take little bank <laughs> on him all day long, and uh, Miami never really adjusted. The double teams never came. Brandon, uh, you know, feasted on that, and then you had that double up of having Brandon uh, dominating on the low block, and then Mike James just absolutely just being a flamethrower from outside, five or six from three point range, and there you go. You know that that is the recipe uh, for a big time upset and a Louisville win, and it, it was awesome to see. Um, I, I really like the confidence, but the question is, can this Louisville team repeat that? I mean, this was a, a game that broke a lot of um, trends for Louisville. I mean, you had a Louisville team that shot 10 of 23 from three, uh, which is good for 43.5%. This is a Louisville team that came into that game shooting 30% as a team from three. Okay, so, I mean, that's one of your question marks. Uh, if this if – this, um, feet is going to be repeatable against a good NC State team today. Louisville's going to have to go out there and be able to knock down some shots. So, I mean, 10 of 23 from three is an outstanding shooting day. They shot 49% from the field overall, uh, and they were consistent. I mean, they shot 50% from three in the first half and then shot a very respectable 36.5% from three in the second half. Um, you know, they got to the free throw line. They continued to knock down their free throws. Um, it was just a very, very dominant performance. Uh, so, you know, with, with that being the case, the question just comes to mind that can they do that again? Uh, you know, that, that, that's my question is like, I hope they can, you know, it would be wonderful if, if we could see that happen, but you know, I, I just, I don't know if 
that's, you know, really a possibility, you know, and, and that's going to be the question that we have to find out today. It would be great. I mean, you know, I know that the people that were on the side of, you know, Kenny Payne sucks and this guy has to go. Um, and we're going to go ahead and get uh, intern Roman on here. Uh, Roman, are you, are you on there? You, you, you in the in the seat? Uh, yeah, the, looks like you just popped in there. How you doing this morning? Oh, hold on, hold on. I think I got you on the wrong mic. Say it again. Can you hear me? Yeah, hey, there you go. How you doing this morning? I'm doing very well. Doing very well. Uh, you know, got got a, a whole lot going on. Just breaking down this. Uh, it's a the crazy outside. All this snow. We got a, a, a blizzard last night. I was out riding around. Uh, you got made it safe though. I'm glad to see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was out there waiting for Haven the the code. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. No, I, that's, yeah, that code. <laughs> yeah, you got to get in the bit. You got to know the secret code to get in yeah, the building. I didn't. I didn't have the right numbers. It's all good. Uh, ah, okay, okay. No, no. It's it's all good. Um, I, I'm my, my bad. I, I'm up here running my mouth if i would have known you was out there i would have i would have yeah, i texted you too but i didn't think you'd get the chance to see it I was yeah out there, yeah i'm no, out I'm there over, listening on my phone I'm, a, <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here running my mouth uh but no no i was just um you know kind of kind of breaking down what happened in the uh the game on wednesday night with louisville getting that big win against miami you know and just kind of discussing kind of the particulars of what happened and just kind of trying to figure out and ask myself what are the things that I think are repeatable um, things that we can see from the Louisville team that, you know, I think guys can do again, uh, you know, uh, starting noon this afternoon uh, on the CW, by the way, they're playing NC State on the CW, so everybody should be able to watch the game. But, you know, just trying to figure out what can we see that, you know, we could possibly see Louisville repeat today that we saw on Wednesday and what things may kind of be up in the air. Um, you know, and the, and the one thing I said was, you know, that that shooting, Louisville was very hot from three, Roman. Like, they were, they were just Honestly, on Honestly, we've been fire. all year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, for a team that's shooting 30% from three, to go out there uh, on Wednesday night, shoot 43.5%, almost 44% from three. Uh, Mike James going five for six from three. I mean, that's a, that, that's a big-time – shooting performance there um you know let, let, just let me get your, your your thoughts on uh on the game on Wednesday just kind of what, what what you thought about it and you know in your opinion is this something or what do you think Louisville has the chance to be able to carry with them over into uh, the, the the matchup this afternoon well I think the big thing was um we we didn't turn the ball over unforced a whole bunch of times like we we normally do I noticed yes. that we, we took care of the basketball that's a big thing. You got to have the ball to score the ball. Um, that was a big thing. Huntley Hatfield, the performance he, the way he played. I don't even want to sit here and act like he had some crazy good performance. Just the guy who was guarding him really couldn't guard him. Yes. But we've had plenty of games this year where the opposing big man is not really physical matchup for him. You know, and I, I'd like to see us try to conduct more offense through him. I liked how you know he would he'd get the ball, he'd wait for the double team, see see how they were going to try to approach him. If the double team didn't come, he'd go to work. That's what needs to happen every time he's on the floor. I feel like he's our, you know, he's the big man. He's got a soft touch around the rim when he's playing well. And um, I'd like to see him us conduct more offense through him. I'd like to see him in that low post, getting the ball back to the basket and seeing what he wanted to do from there. However, he do, he does need to work on a couple of those post moves. He needs <laughs> <laughs> needs another move or two down there. Yeah, he's he's kind of you know he has his. His little right hand jump hook and his little kind of bang turn, try to shoot like a little face up fadeaway jump shot. That's kind of his only two 
go-to moves. Yeah, we need he, a left hook. You know, he doesn't have a left-hand hook yet, like at all. He doesn't. He doesn't use his left hand. He'll either go to the face-up J or that right-hand hook. That's pretty much his go-to. And on the <laughs> left side, he'll half spin back in front of the basket to oh, make yeah. sure he gets the right hook. You better, off. you better believe it to get to get back to that right hand. So, but it yeah. was working on Wednesday. Absolutely. I will say that, and I I think you have to try to see if that works first because you know I think Louisville's biggest issue has just been not getting great shots. We we don't get a lot of great shots when possessions go awry. You know, we we just you know, we let Sky kind of do his thing a lot of the time and I think in the last few games we've taken a lot better shots. Um and I think that's something that can carry over. If we take care of the ball, make smart decisions and then take good shots. I don't know if, you know, I don't know many of our first options on a lot of these plays, but look like Wednesday a lot of the 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 person we wanted to be shooting it was shooting it. So yeah, it was, it was a lot of shots for Mike James. It was a lot of shots for Curtis Williams. Uh, you know, those two guys, that they combined for, let's see, uh, 15 of the 23 three-pointer tips were taken by Mike James and uh, and uh, Curtis Williams. Scott Clark took uh, the other five. So you're talking about 20 of the 23 shots were taken by those three guys. It was a bunch of threes from bunch of threes Sky, from a bunch of threes from Curtis, and a bunch of threes from Mike. But they were, you know, catch and shoot a lot of them, which I, you know, like. No one on that team needs to be shooting off the dribble. Yeah, no, no, not at all. So... No, I mean it's it's I mean, and, and that's going to be the question because I think that they're going to have to. And the funniest thing uh, about Louisville games, Roman, is that when you go back and you look at their um, the uh, the box score, they always have a bunch of weird numbers. Like the the numbers never really ever make sense. Like when I look at the trends from the Miami game, and I say this, okay, so uh, you know the trends from the game. Miami led the game for twenty three. Almost 20, 24 minutes, 23 minutes, 45 seconds. Louisville only led the game for 11 minutes. Louisville turned the ball over. You, you know, I know you talked about them taking care of the ball. Louisville actually had 24 turnovers in that game. 24 turnovers compared to Miami's 13. Both teams were dead even in the paint, even though you would have thought that um, that Louisville dominated the paint, especially the way that um, – Huntley Hatfield played. It was actually 28-28. Both teams scored exactly the same amount of points in the paint. Miami actually outscored Louisville in the paint on second chance points, 11 to 5, and and uh, Miami won the fast break points, 23 to 7. So then you're like, how the heck did Louisville win the game? Yeah, that first half was was not nearly as pretty as that second yeah, half. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and you know where you, where it comes uh, first of all, 23 points off the bench. Uh, was huge. Of course, um, that is my, pretty much thanks to Curtis Williams and Tyler Johnson. Both of those guys uh, went off. 21 of those uh, 23 points were scored by those two guys. Yeah. So, you know, you had a big-time uh, advantage, 23-8 uh, to eight, uh, in bench scoring. So, th- so that gives you a part of it. And then just the three-point shooting. You know, Miami was oh, – well, no, even in three-point shooting, I was going to say, well, Louisville, you know, had an advantage three-point shooting. Miami actually hit more threes than Louisville in that game. Miami hit 11 threes. Louisville only hit 10. Yeah. Like, so it's it's so weird like it's like you look at it and like looking at these numbers if I was looking at purely the numbers without looking at the point totals I would have thought Miami won the game you know like Louisville they're always very odd numbers because it's like how did we get here bench minutes are weird like it makes you wonder if that was even supposed to who was supposed to start sometimes right right. it's it's just very like Louisville box scores like since Kenny Payne has been the coach the box scores for Louisville games have always just been weird yeah 
you know. But I mean, all over the place. But like I said, I mean, it's one of those things where you have to celebrate in the moment. Um, You know, the guys got it done. To be able to get a big win on South Beach is awesome, anyway, because you get to party in Miami that at least that night before you head back home. Uh, You know, so you're feeling good. Um, They did, of course, outscore. um, They they once again did a great job of getting to the free throw line. They got 16 free throw attempts, hitting 14 of the 16. They did outscore Miami 14 uh, to 8 at the free throw line. So, you know, there's 12 offensive rebounds and still won the game by nine. That's, (laughs) yeah, I'm telling you, like, weird box score for sure. It's odd. It it always is. I mean, Louisville only had three offensive rebounds in the game, but you only had three offensive rebounds. Miami had 12. They got killed in second. I like to look at the box score without watching the game. I have no idea how Louisville won the game. I don't, I like the, the, the box score says Miami should have won the game, but, you know, Louisville got it done. You know, like I said, it was tied with about two and a half minutes left. I was and about Louisville to say, that last three minutes, yeah. Louisville just defensively just figured it out. Yeah. I mean, they scored the last nine points of the game. Um, and, that you know, their biggest lead of the game was nine points, and they had that to finish. You know, I mean, so it just it was an unbelievable game. They had their big run at the at their most needed time, and they got it done. You know, I, I mean, I was that, scared too because we were up six or seven with yeah. four or five minutes to go, and in that two minutes we didn't score. Yeah. They tied the game, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, this is it! This is it here! We we had the chance, and they got it done. They pulled through. They, they, I was they, happy for them too. They found a way to get it done. Like I said, I, I don't know if it's repeatable. I think that. You know, the biggest question mark is going to be, can they continue to shoot a hot basketball? And when I say they, I mean Mike James. Mike James has been absolutely on fire um, the last couple of games shooting the ball from downtown. Um, That helps tremendously. I mean, the fact that Mike James goes 8 of 12 from the field for 26 points for five or six three-pointers. Then you have Brandon Huntley-Hatfield, nine of 13 from the field for 22 points, nine rebounds, one of one from three. I mean, that's the that's the ball game right there. Those two guys were efficient. They were very, very aggressive. They continued to get the ball. And, you know, when you can score that efficiently, it makes everything so much better. You know, so, the, you know, the question is, can they do that again? Now, the biggest problem with today's game uh, Roman is that they got a guard that's real good. They, they they have they have a guard that's really good. Uh, Morcel who came over is a transfer from Casey Morcel came over from Virginia. Um, he's a part of the part of this team uh, for his second year as a transfer under Kevin Keats. Uh, he's really really good, very good defensive player, very athletic, getting to the basket. But then they also have their big man inside, uh, Brian Burns. He's six ten. He probably like I I don't know what they have him listed at. I may look it up here on ESPN just to have, see what he's listed at. Um, but whatever they have him listed at, he's at least sixty pounds heavier than whatever they have him listed. Brian Burns is a humongous mountain of a man. Okay, I'm talking about. I'm gonna guess. Hold on, let's see. I'm gonna tell you exactly right now how they have Brian Burns listed because I want I want to let you know exactly what it says here. Uh, ESPN.com, ESPN, Brian Burns Jr. 6'9 on ESPN app. Six foot nine. Um, you know, and, and and I don't know if that's counting his hair because he's got, you know, if the, he's got I the. I think he's a little taller. 6'9. They have him listed as 6'9, 275. Okay. Yeah, he's six, a unit. So. I'm going to say he's probably all of 6'9", because he is a big man. But that 275, brother, he's at least 350. 
I'm gonna I'm tell you that right now. Really? I, but, but yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did DJ Burns? Uh, did DJ Burns is listed as two seventy five? I guarantee you, he's at least three hundred fifty bills. He's a monster of a man, and that's gonna be the the question is you know the the matchup you talked about it. The fact that you know Brandon Huntley Hatfield was able to kind of bully. Um, you know, nor Chad O'Meara because O'Meara is a kind of an undersized post player. He's only about six six, six seven. He uses quickness and speed, yeah. you know, to to kind of play on the post. Well, Burns is a completely different type of matchup, you know, because you're not going to be able to move that dude <laughs> like at all. So, so you know, the the question is, um, you know, is Brandon Huntley Hatfield going to continue to have a dominant performance as he did last week? Now, of course, against Pittsburgh, against Pittsburgh's big guys, um, you know, uh, Garcia and the and the other big guy, he really, really struggled. You know, against that that length and that athleticism, um, you know, Brandon Huntley Hatfield was pretty much a no show. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I don't think Louisville can win this game if. Brandon Huntley Hatfield is not dominating on the on the you know he's kind of been the found money for Louisville since he's been playing well. Louisville's been able to at least be competitive in these games, so that's going to be the question: is what uh, can he do against DJ Burns today? Um, you know, Burns has got to stay out of foul trouble. He's been known to to pick up what some fouls. I was fouls. about to say is if you can get a couple on him early, yes, you know that that that's gonna that's gonna go a long way. But I mean that that right there. Is going to be, in my personal opinion, that's going to be where this this game is ends up unfolding. You know, is that matchup between Huntley Hatfield and Burns? My personal opinion, whoever wins that matchup is going to be more than likely going to going to probably seal the win. You know, you, you look at uh, Huntley Hatfield's last five games. Yeah, twenty two points against Miami. We just talked about that against Pittsburgh. Three, really, really struggled. Three points uh, in the game really didn't have an impact. Only three rebounds uh, against Virginia on the road at UVA. Nine points didn't really play really well. You know UVA go- goes out with a blowout win, and then of course he did play pretty well against UK. Sixteen points, eleven boards there, and against Pepperdine, the last win for Louisville, twenty points and twelve rebounds. So you know the games, and and Louisville played pretty well against UK for a while. I mean you know UK ended up pushing it out in the second half, but you know when Brandon Huntley Hatfield was playing well. It was a game. But I think that the one thing we've seen is the games where Louisville's either either won or been at least competitive, you know, Brandon Huntley Hatfield was a big part of that. So I mean I think that he has to have a good game. Is there a chance that you like do you see a pathway to victory without Huntley Hatfield playing well today? No. I mean I mean obviously like you give you give if we shoot well <laughs> If we can, if we can stay hot, we yeah. can we can play with not anybody, but like you said against UK, we 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 were right there with them. Yes. Um. In the lab, but also that was I would largely due to Huntley Hatfield in the beginning of that game. If he doesn't play well, we have to be shooting lights out from three pretty much, and that's just you know that's happened not really happened <laughs> yeah, not not many technically times. once this season. We've had a couple good games, but yeah, you know we haven't been lights out one one good great great game yet. Um. Yeah, I, I, I mean, don't see us. Yeah, I don't see Huntley Hatfield has to. He has to go for you know fourteen, fifteen points, eight, nine rebounds minimum. Yeah, I, I agree. He's got to get to that fifteen, sixteen plus point plateau. If, you know, if he's not there and dominating the backboards, I just don't know if there's a pathway to victory. Even with all the heroics of, of Mike James just going crazy, if you don't have that guy that you can throw it down to and you know force a team to either double. Um, or force a team to really put a lot of attention on him, which kind of opens up the rest of your shooters, um, then I just don't know if you have a chance. And that's going to be 
what causes, you know, a lot of question marks because, I mean, this NC State team has a lot of size. They have a lot of athleticism. So, you know, that's something that we're going to have to take a look at. But I tell you what, we're going to go ahead and hit our first break of the day. This is Wake Up 502. Rashawn Myers, intern Roman, taking care of this morning, 96.1 FM, 1450 AM, and we'll be back on the Big X. Welcome back in. Welcome back. Welcome back in. Second segment of the show. Wake up 502. Rashawn Myers take care of you this morning. Intern Roman on the mic with me as well. This is 96.1, the Big X. It is going down a little bit. I'm I'm in a, I don't know. I'm in an old school rock and roll mood today. Roman, I don't know what's going on, but you know, I'm got some white snake. Now I got some poison. You know what I'm saying? Just bringing back the old hits, the oldies, but goodies, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know them personally. Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. 80s hair bands, man. You know what I'm saying? That's I got to do a little research on. Absolutely, those. nothing but a good time. It's very good song. It's a very good song. Uh, but you know what? We we are sitting here breaking down, talking about, um, you know, this Louisville NC State matchup coming off the big win, and I think that's kind of been the question, right? Um, you know, we kind of talked about the specific game. Um, you know, between uh, Louisville and NC State and kind of looking back at the Miami game, um, what was good, what was bad. You know, we kind of talked about that first matchup of Huntley Hatfield taking on DJ Burns and, and kind of that battle of the post players. Um, but I, I do want to go back and just kind of look at the conversations after the game because it's always interesting. And I kind of mentioned it uh, in the last segment before we went to break was that it, it really was interesting to see people's reaction to the game um you know the people that were you know pro let's get Kenny out of here he's done you know that we're just kind of playing out the string um they were like well you know it's a good win but it doesn't mean anything the people that are the pro Kenny Payne folks you know a lot of them while they are still very very cautiously optimistic because I think they were kind of on the same page of yeah Kenny's not going to work here um, they were very, very hopeful that this was the turning of a page and that it means that Louisville's going to be ready to take and make a big push going forward. So, you know, I want to ask you, like, what were your immediate thoughts after the game? What were your thoughts like, okay, like Louisville's ready to go ahead and, you know, make some hay? Is this like, does this, does this win change your opinion of Louisville at all, or was did you just hold this as just a single isolated situation? I mean, I'll, I'll tell you my whole little end of the game here. I was watching the game, the last two, three minutes of the game. Yes. I couldn't believe the shot Sky Clark was taking. or the, he, had two, he missed two layups, I think, in the last three minutes, both that were just, you, you, how, how are you missing those? You need to make those. And then he finally made one. 
And so I ended the game like he just he just made me feel like we were about to lose that game somehow. Right. Um, but I immediately got it. I, you know, I, I was like, I realized what just happened. I was like cheering with a couple of buddies of mine. Like we just won our Kenny's just won his first road game, and um, I I I I all I could think about was how we still had so many different ways Miami could have won that game, like until those that last two minutes. It just felt like. I don't know. It was like, did, was that a? Did we earn this win? Did we just tough this win out and 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 truly get a real win, or do we get a little bit lucky? Well, you know, I got a little bit. Try to think like that, and they were like, "No, we played better the whole game." And I'm like, "Yeah, you're right. We did. We we played better the whole game." Yeah. Um, and, and I'm just hoping we can continue to do that. I don't really know if we went into that game hoping to play like that. I don't know if we thought you know Mike James was going to hit five threes, if that was the <laughs> game plan or not. Um, I know um, Sky Clark has to play a little bit better than that because if you look at his performance, you could say we could have won that game by a little more comfortably than that even. Um, three for 11 from the field. But, yeah, I, I think it's a turning point within the players. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they realize that they can win basketball games now, that they can play with these teams, that they're probably going into these games at first thinking that they can't. And um, that's good. I think that they can. It's good to see that for them. Um, I, you know, I was. I don't think it changes anything about Kenny at all. To be fair, yeah, this is he's a sophomore coach at a at a huge school, right? As as a alumni, meaning higher expectations. You know, at the end of the day, and I, I don't like to like I hate I hate the concept of coaches getting fired immediately because they're not getting it done you know i also don't want to see any teams you know it's dumb to give a coach four or five years who hasn't won anything either but you do have to like give him some trial and error to an extent and if you look at it in that sense he's already what tripled his wins from last year so Mm -hmm. um i I don't know i don't know if it's a turning point for the organ like for our basketball organization but the players seem to have a little bit more confidence and that's nice going forward yeah definitely i mean and you know, I, I am I'll tell you this is that this win has a chance to be a turning point to where we can see Louisville consistently playing better basketball. The unfortunate thing is this, and I was listening to to, to Bob Valvano because, you know, he is one of the most knowledgeable basketball people. I, anytime I can hear Bobby V talk, whether it's listening to his show, whether it's listening to him on the radio during games or after the games when he talks to coach um, pain is that I love to hear his insights and his thoughts because he's such a smart basketball guy. And, you know, his opinion about this game is that this is probably the most important game of the season. Uh, and, you know, the reason that, that you say that is you have this big potentially, you know, mind-altering win against Miami. When I call it mind-altering, it just means – that this is a win that it's against a team that's good enough to where, you know, when Josh Hurd talks about needing to see deposits by the, the, the basketball program and show, you know, that the, the program is moving in the right direction, this win has an, the opportunity to be that. I don't think that this win is that on its own because you have to be able to back that win up by going out there and doing something else. So the reason that this NC State game is so important is that NC State is a good team. 
Okay, uh, you know they are a team that's sitting three and one in the conference. They're eleven and four overall. Okay, so you know they pretty much are in the same area that Miami was in. Okay, so if you can go out there and piggyback off of the win that you got down on, you know, down the road in Miami, if you can come back and back that up with a second win today, I think then. It helps a confidence standpoint, but more importantly, if you take a look at Louisville's schedule after this game, it gets exponentially more difficult. Yeah, this is a rough month. So, you know, after this game, like I am, you know, in my personal opinion, even if Louisville's playing well, I think that this is Louisville's last chance for a win this month. I don't think Louisville will get another win this month. So the only way you can make this Miami game mean something to me is if you can back that up with a win today to at least give those guys a couple of data points because after this game today, you go on the road at number 7 North Carolina. You go on the road at a Wake Forest team that is playing very good basketball and got one of the best big men in the conference now eligible to play um, the, the big man transfer from uh, LSU uh, that, yeah. that Forbes has. They're 3-1 and one in the conference as well. Yes. Uh, then you go, you come back home, you play against number 11 Duke, who's you know one of the best teams in the country, and then you play a Virginia team that you never beat, as well as a road game at Clemson, who's one of the best teams in the conference. So you're talking about three of the next five are against ranked teams, and all of those teams are really good. Yeah. You know, so I mean, you don't have another opportunity at a possible win until Florida State, in my personal opinion. And even that's going to be difficult because, once again, you're playing a team with a lot of size, a lot of length, and those are the types of teams that really give Louisville a lot of trouble. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, feasibly, you may not be looking at another win until um, at the earliest on the road at the Carrier Dome um, at Syracuse uh, on February 7th. So, and, and at that point, you know, even if you had momentum in that Miami game, you get beat down enough times, you start to lose that confidence, you start to lose that energy, and know, who knows what the mindset of the players and the team are if you don't win another game for another two, two or three weeks. Yeah, that's tough. You know what I mean? So, like, that's why, in my personal opinion, I think this NC State game is probably the most important on the schedule because it's the only chance following that win, yeah. Exactly, yeah. to follow up that win, have another big win, so that way – you know, even if things get a little bit rough, you can be like, well, you know, it was just kind of a quirk of the schedule, and now we still have some things that we can play for in February. But if you lose this game today, and especially how you lose this yeah, game today. if you today, lose it bad. If you lose it bad and then have to immediately go on the road to North Carolina and Wake Forest, and then you get busted in those games. It'll get then, ugly. Then no, then no, well, and no one's going to care about what happened in Miami. They're just going to be like, it was a fluke. Yeah. You know, like they'll just say it was a fluke. Louisville got got hot one game. Miami, you know, sucked. It just completely changes the narrative. Like right now, it's like a spark of, you know, hey, maybe this is something different. But it can very quickly get dismissed. And everybody's like, you know, oh, we suck again. <laughs> like, yeah. like on the water boy, yeah. you know. So like that that's what – this game means, and, and I mean, ultimately, it still may end up getting there, and you know, more than probably, it it will go there. Just depend, you know, because we've seen what Louisville's done, you know, thus far. You know, I mean, it was it was nice that they had a nice win, but you know, this has been who Louisville has been all year. Has been a team that's not really played very well at all. So I mean, their only chance, and it's a very slim chance to make a change in that narrative, is to go out there. Get a win at home versus NC State, you know, and then find a way to be competitive 
with North Carolina and Wake Forest on the road. You know, I mean, that that's the only way to make people kind of stick and say, okay, well, maybe this team does have something. But it all starts with today. I just don't see a scenario where if Louisville gets blown out today at home against NC State, how they can carry any momentum or that, you know, it's going to change anybody's opinion on anything. They have to win this game today. Yeah, if, if anybody, if they want positive conversations to continue at all, it's a must win. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. is weird to think about. I'm telling you, like, I, like honestly, like, it's not, you know, the, 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 the Miami game was awesome, but I think that now that you have that Miami win, this game is even more important yeah. than that. Even though it's a home game and it's not a team that's, got the reputation that Miami has coming off of a Final Four from last year. But for this team and for the narratives and for the conversation of, you know, Kenny Payne turning this around and Kenny Payne doing the things that, that you know, you want to see if the guy's going to continue to coach here, um, it's a huge game. So, you know, I, I think that's where we're sitting at is that this, the, this game, the importance of this NC State game has been quadrupled just because you got that win in Miami. Like a single win – you know, we know that Louisville, like we talked about it on the air, is that we know that Louisville's going to get two or three or four wins in conference. Like, we, we, nobody expected we? for for Louisville to, to go winless. I didn't – well, no, not winless, but at, sitting at one and three, having lost to Pitt. Yeah. Do, do, when do we win another ACC game? I mean – well, it's I mean, not today. Well, I, I think it's one of those things where, you know, and like, like I told, told Mike, you know, the, the thing about basketball is that, you know, Louisville has players – Louisville has good players on the team. So the thing about basketball is it's not necessarily like football where, you know, the team that just has the more physical dominant guys can just kind of bully and they're going to pretty much win much more often than not. In basketball, all it takes is for a team to just kind of get hot and the other team to not necessarily be playing well and have a team just get hot and win a game. Yeah. Like that, that that happens in conference all the time. We saw the national championship Louisville team get blown out by 30 by, by a bad Providence team. So, you know, I mean, you can have a single game where just craziness happens and a team just loses a game. Who was on that Providence team? Uh, um, Chris Dunn? Uh, I don't think Chris Dunn was no, on that one. It was Brooks. Rashad. Later. It was no, not not Rashad Brooks. I can't remember the guy's first name. It was like uh, some somebody not not Quentin Brooks or something like that. He was like a little Kobe. Wannabe I remember guy. that game. He was yeah. torching. Yeah, us. he had like thirty in that game. <laughs> he he turned that game into a lottery. He ended up being a lottery pick yeah. basically <laughs> off of that game. He gave me PTSD. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, like it, it can happen in basketball. So you know, Louisville. Like I said, it was expected Louisville would get two or three wins in conference just because you didn't know where they were going to come. But on certain nights, because you have talent on the roster, you're going to get a couple wins. Now, people expected maybe Notre Dame, maybe Georgia Tech, you know, maybe Florida State when they were sucking or Syracuse at the end of the year. Like, that was the games that we were looking. Nobody was expecting on the road in Miami. So, like, that's where, where it's a feather in a cap because it's a much better team and it was on the road. Um, but you knew that Louisville was going to get a couple of wins, but to make it mean something, you know, it, it, to go from five – you know, five non-conference wins to get three wins in conference and finish with an eight and, you know, eight and twenty record or eight and twenty-two record. That wasn't going to keep Kenny Payne's job. You know, so like Louisville was going to have to be a lot better than that. They were going to have to have a good conference season. And, and you know, the the only way that's going to happen. I mean, that, like like I said, it's the chips are still stacked against Kenny. Like I, I don't even think Louisville still has. A, I don't see enough wins on the schedule to even get to 10 or 11 wins no. on the season. I, it's I just 
it's tough sledding. I mean, the, the ACC is not great, but Louisville's just not played consistent. Now, if Louisville can give you what they gave you on Wednesday night, every night, if they can do that every night the rest of the year, then, hey, maybe they can get to eight wins. But I just don't – they haven't been that all year. You know yeah. what I mean? Like Makes us Texas loss – Sting a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, I, in my personal opinion, I don't think it means much of anything. You know, NC State is a game that I think Louisville will be able to keep close just because NC State has been inconsistent. They've been a team that's kind of uh, had issues with foul trouble. They're a good team, and they have a lot of athleticism. And, of course, because They're Kevin Keats. Oh, well, look at there. Time for break. The Big X Sports Radio, WXVW, Jeffersonville. John Spear. And welcome back in. Welcome back in. I mean, I mean, Roman, can you like? You know what I'm saying? Like that's old school rock and roll, man. I yeah. did like that one. That one was. <laughs> I was feeling that one. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. Like it's it's classic. I'm gonna send you some homework. You got to do some 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 listening up on some good music, man. <laughs> but no, welcome back in hour number two. My bad, everybody. I'm just up there running my mouth. We went right into the top of the hour break. The same thing happened with Mike Rutherford yesterday. It's just so good to be able to talk basketball and actually have some optimism and some actual breakdown. And recent positivity as well. Yes, yes, that I literally just went right into the – the one thing about the studio here, just for the, the kind of behind-the-scenes, inside baseball of this studio, the way our system works here, back when we were in the old studio over in southern Indiana – um, we basically ran the breaks, okay? So, you you know, we could go to break whenever we decided to. Of course, you always at the top of the hour, uh, which is, of course, the, the top of every hour, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, you usually want to get out at the top of the hour. But if you went over a little bit, if you went a minute or two over, it really didn't matter, and we fired off the breaks. Well, here in the new system, uh, in, in the uh, Louisville College Business Studios here at WXVW, um, at the new stis, uh, this, um, station here over on uh, the building over here at behind Evangel on um, uh, Taylorsville Road, uh, the system is all fancy and new, so it automatically goes to break at the top of the hour. So we don't shoot, we don't fire it off. If you're not out, we got to be ready. At, at yeah, at at fifty nine and fifty seconds, it's gonna shoot you out. And I was just rolling, talking about basketball, and completely. <laughs> missed that we were going to the top of the hour break so that's on me that's my bad i was very much into what you know what we were talking about so <laughs> i will take that one that's why uh roman threw me out of the uh, producer's chair and was like get another uh, you know let get, get another room and i'll take care of it from here so you know I, I i will take that one on me this guy i get a little bit passionate man you know what i'm saying it's I did, good thing it's better than know. being you know not looking forward to today in any way at all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I mean, it, it's definitely better to be uh, anticipating a big big win and, or, or a big opportunity rather than just thinking that everything sucks. So <laughs> There is something I do want to ask you. Yes. So if we do get a good win today, does that change your mindset about, you know, this year and what's to come with this year? Um, I would say that – 
if we were able to find a way to get it done, um, I would at least say, well, you know, okay. You know what I'm saying? I, I would be like, um, you know, that th- this at least lets me know that the guys are, um, you know, I-, I-, I would just say that they are at least – showing that they have they've learned something and that Kenny Payne has maybe found something that works. Um, but I gotta see it. I mean it would definitely I would still say that you still have a lot of room to make up. Like that there is no okay, you all are playing better, so now you don't need to meet the standards that I expected that you needed to hit to keep your job. Like in my personal opinion, the only way that Kenny Payne was gonna be able to keep his job, in my personal opinion, was gonna be, you know, be above five hundred, be on, you know, on, you could be on the outside looking into the tournament, but you needed to at least be competitive and have a team that was at least competitive. Like I can't have, you know, okay, the team's looking better, they got to ten or eleven wins, so he should keep his job because he was better, you know, in ACC play than what we thought he was gonna be. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like like you can't just like being a little bit better is not good enough because at the end of the day, Louisville is a national championship program, and Louisville needs to be led by a coach that you can believe can that you believe can win a national championship. That means the tournament should be minimum. Exactly, uh, you know, and, and that's the point is, you know, if Kenny Payne is not a guy through two years that you believe you can win a national championship with, then why is he here? Because that's what Louisville's about. Like I don't want, like I, I was telling Matt, Mike yesterday, what I call it is right now. Kenny Payne's tenure at Louisville has been about head pats. Oh, well, you know, he's had a hard time doing it. You know, pat him on his head. Oh, well, you know, his guys are playing better. Give him a pat on his head. Oh, well, look, they played really nice tonight. You know, a little pat on the head. I don't want a pat on the head coach. A non-alumnus would have been fired by now, most likely. Absolutely. Like, like that. that's the thing that I don't want. I don't want a guy who, you know, that we have in the seat that we're just having to say, oh, that's sweet, or oh, that's cute, or oh, he look at him, he's really trying. Like, no. I don't want that for my head coach at Louisville basketball. So, like, if that's that's what he is, is a head pat coach that we're going to just, you know, try to cheerlead him on for, for his little – Little bitty, you know, small contributions. Like I don't want that. That's you're you're not the guy for the job. So I need you to show me that you can be the guy for the job. Which means I'm going to need a humongous turnaround. Yeah. You know, in in the second half of this season, like you're going to have to be above. You know, you're going to have to be at or above 500 in the conference. You're going to have to, you know, get to that second day. You're going to have to, you know, be a a. Uh, presence in the ACC tournament, you got to make something happen. Like, like just having a little win here or there, it just doesn't change my opinion. But I mean, if you go and you win this game today, then at least you were able to back that up with something. Like from what I saw, Miami had just as much to do with Miami losing that job as Louisville had of winning it. Yeah, you know, that's how I felt, and, and, and that's that's the way I look at it. So if it was about you they all, were, then they prove were twenty five and one in their last twenty six home games. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just felt like Miami was a team that came in overconfident, a little banged up, and they just didn't come in and play focused. I, I don't think they really thought there was a chance that Louisville could beat them. And, and they, they played like it. They played like all they needed to do was come out, roll the balls out, and they're going to get a win. Like, I think the one thing that people don't understand about this Louisville team and one thing that they really kind of take for granted is just how talented this team is. Like, this team has a lot of good players on it. Sky Clark's a very talented player. Brandon Huntley Hatfield is a very talented player. Mike James is a very talented player. So when you look at their schedule or you look at their record, you'd be like, God, this team sucks. They ain't got no good players. But that's not true. Like they have good players. They just don't win because yeah. of the lack of preparation organization. Yeah. 
Like it's 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 not about the talent. Like it's not about the talent. I think that's been the one thing that we've been consistently talking about is that this team doesn't lose because of lack of talent. This team loses because of lack of organization. You know, and and lack of a, of a game plan. Now they look like they had much more organization and a game plan on Wednesday night. Um, I still saw a lot of open shots from Miami, especially down the stretch. They just didn't hit the shots. Um, you know, which is one of those things to where the defense still left a lot to be desired, but they got let off the hook because Miami was panicking, rushing shots, and they ended up missing a bunch of makeable shots. Um, so we'll have to see what it looks like against uh, NC State. I, I will be very interested uh, to see what they look like. I, I am um, anticipating. Like, this is the most anticipation I've had for a Louisville game probably all year. Yeah. You know? Um, so I, I want to see what's going to happen. I want to see what it looks like and, you know, and just kind of go from there. I know we have a texter into the text line, 502-414-1450. The Thornton's text line says, Good morning, Wake Up 502. Main event, KP, Mas- <laughs> KP Mafia Resurrection Weekend. He said, uh, just want to say when I thought uh, we have shut down the KP Mafia and almost put a final nail in their coffin, the basketball team wins a game, and now they rise up like the Undertaker. <laughs> Bring Jay Wright home. Uh, you know, the, the people that are supporters of Kenny Payne, and I'm a supporter of Kenny Payne, okay? Like, the whole KP Mafia thing, there are people that the KP Mafia – I don't think it's necessarily supporters of Kenny Payne because I think everybody wants to see Kenny do well. Everybody likes Kenny. Kenny's a nice dude. But I think the difference is the KP Mafia people only want it to be Kenny Payne, and it's only about Kenny Payne. Whereas me being a Kenny Payne supporter, I don't think Kenny Payne is bigger than the University of Louisville. Like the University of Louisville and their basketball, their success with their basketball program is my first priority. So – my priority is the success of the team, where I think those people, they're just invested in the success of Kenny Payne. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, I, I think that's the difference. That's already, like, overtaken Louisville basketball itself. Exactly. Like, you're making Kenny more important than the basketball program. I don't like that. And, and that's the difference. Tino is not even more important than the Louisville basketball. No one is bigger than the, than the team. Like, like, it's all about the program. Like, you know, when I supported the fact I loved Denny Crum to death, but it was time for Denny to go. Denny was old. Denny was not out on the recruiting trails. Louisville had lost their mojo about going out there and being able to get the best players. It was time for Denny to sit his, his old tail down, period. Like, people necessarily didn't like it because they loved Denny, but it was time for Denny to sit down. You know, Rick Pitino, I hated the fact that Rick got fired, but I knew with it that, you know, the FBI situation, it was his third strike and he was going to get fired. I didn't think he should. I thought that it should have played out until we actually went through the whole process. And if he was found guilty, then he should have gotten fired. I felt they jumped the gun, but I knew what they were going to do because it was their third big issue. Mm -hmm. And, And, you know, at that point, you're going to get, you know, you're going to get the boot. Um, so it was unfortunate. I, I understood the reasoning for it. I didn't necessarily agree with it, but I understood it, you know, and, and that's because of the protection of the program. Um, and, you know, with Kenny Payne, he's shown me that he's not ready for this level of job. So for the protection of the program, it's time to move on, in my personal opinion. You know, like trying to get the guy to where he's just okay. Like well, he gets a third year and he gets the program to, I don't know, 500, 16 and 16. What are we doing? Like, yeah, it's not. Like you know, if you you're know what I mean. Sixteen and sixteen, you're probably not winning the ACC tournament either. Yeah. So. And, and so, so then, what are we looking for the fourth year? Like twenty and fourteen? <laughs> no, it's that's like not. you're four years to get to twenty wins in a season. 
Like, what are we doing? Like, that's my whole point. Like, <laughs> like this is not – at that point, you've lowered the standards and you've lowered what Louisville basketball means at that point. Yeah, I don't, and that's not what we need or want. We're the highest paid Adidas school in the country. We need to keep that level of being a top program around, and he hasn't brought that back this year. He didn't – you know, people thought – I don't know. I didn't think he was going to, but he stayed. So you, you were expecting a jump. There was not a big enough jump. I think you move on regardless um, of how this season, you know, unless he, I mean, something outlandish happens, like he just has an unbelievable. Yeah, he wins the next, <laughs> he wins eighty percent of his games the next, the, the right. rest, and obviously you have to bring him back. But yeah, um, it would have to be something like that, something that we haven't seen anything near yet. Yes, and I, I mean that, that, that. I mean, and I think that's that's fair, and I think that's where we're at. So I mean, I don't think you can. Slide just because you had a couple of wins here or there. I don't think you adjust your expectations or try to grade on a curve. Well, now he's playing better, you know. Like, <laughs> no, like it's not good now enough. He's playing as expected. Is is all that is. It's, yes, the exactly. expectations been lowered already. Is it's funny you say that. I think the expectations already been drastically changed compared to four or five years ago. Um, the where, where we view ourselves as a program. I, I just. It needs some work. It needs some change. We need some new positivity. Um, a win today could do that for the for the outlook of just this season. But yes. you know, if he doesn't, if he doesn't, I think you have to go above five hundred in your conference to keep the job. Yeah, I mean, and the ACC is not a murderer's row conference. I mean, we talked about the teams that were really good, but outside of those few teams like North Carolina, Duke, um, you know, Virginia. Uh, you know, Clemson, the, the rest of the ACC is very generic and very kind of all in the middle. They're not necessarily great. They're not terrible, um, you know, but it just is one of those things where I just don't think that all those teams are very solid. Like the problem with Louisville basketball is that they've not been solid. They've just yeah. been very inconsistent and very kind of all over the place offensively and defensively, which is why they're in the boat that they're in. So, you know, I mean, it just – They've got a they've got a whole lot more work to do before that Miami game means anything, and I think that's the way that I, that I'm looking at it. Uh, Texter says uh, the five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. He says um, this is a problem when Louisville wins. KP gets a third year, so I'm that fan that wants to lose out and get a new coach. You know, I heard somebody ask Bob Valvano about that. It's like, I'm a Louisville fan. I don't think Kenny Payne is the guy, so I'm happy when we lose. Does that make me a bad fan? And, and I think it's a tough situation because I don't want to see Louisville lose. Ever. Um, and I'll never cheer for Louisville to lose. But, like, people that, that say that they're happy when Louisville loses because they know they're closer to Kenny being out of here because the worst thing you can do is have it become awkward. That's That was the, the word that Mike used. Is like, don't win enough to make it awkward. Like, lose, you know, only win enough to where we know that it's over with. And, and and I understand that thought process. It's not necessarily that you're cheering against Louisville, but you don't want just enough wins to where Josh Hurd is like, well, on. yes, yeah. it's just like, you know, it's like the dog that's been hit by the car that's just kind of <laughs> dragging his leg down the, the street. It's like I don't want to be the dog with the bad leg. No, not at all. <laughs> just shoot old yeller. No, I'm just playing, <laughs> y'all. <laughs> I'm just playing. Don't call Peter on me. But no, I mean, you know, I like you don't want to get to the to the position where the the program is just dragging along a dead limb. Like you know, like that. That's that's where you, where you don't want to get to. You want new life. You want you know, po- like positive. You want people to be excited about what's to come. And right now, 
we ha- when's the last time we've seen that? Genuinely try to think about the last time we've had a reason to be positive. Yes. When we found out Kenny Payne was coming? Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's, pretty, that's what it much. seems like. Pretty much. And, and I was more along the lines of, all right, you got the job. Let me see what you can do with it. And then yeah. He, let's he, see. Wait, he immediately, wait a minute. You've never coached. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, that, that's about the last time we've had anything along those lines. So, you know, we'll see. And, and we'll, we'll give a, a prediction before the end of the show. But I do want to, uh, the, the texture I said, Louisville football news, uh, Brahms out here recruiting. Uh, yeah, like l- l- I do want to turn to that before we get into this NFL talk for the last segment. Uh, Jeff Brom is absolutely on a heater right now. Um, he's putting that work in. That right that now. man, you know, I-, I don't know if he's the dude that carries the the, the wallet in his back pocket that says "bad <laughs> mf'er," but you know, like he's out here doing some things. That feeling we get there when we bring him up though and start thinking about that, that's not to go back to it, but that's what I want out of our basketball <laughs> Yes. You feel me? That's the feeling I'm talking about there. Absolutely. Like, I mean, like what this man is doing on the recruiting trails right now. He brought a ton of players to campus last week, um, headlined by uh, the, the outstanding Toledo running back Penny Boone. Yes. Uh, and Boone ended up ultimately committing from Louisville early on his visit. He was rated as the number one running back in the transfer portal. His nickname is Baby Bus. Um, an absolute monstrous power uh, running back that has both power and speed. You add to that Louisville backfield. Of course, Jawar Jordan and Isaac Garendo have both made both made their names available for the NFL draft. Uh, so being able to add Boone uh, to a recruiting room that also boasts, uh, you know, former five-star Miami running back as well. Um, I mean, that's absolutely huge uh, that that Louisville was able to get that done. Um, you know, you have. Um, let me see who that, where was that that young man? Um, so we had uh, I'm gonna go down and da- go down this list. So uh, y- y'all get ready for this. Uh, so you had uh, not Colin Lay, no Donald Cheney. That was the young young man's name. Donald Cheney, former five star running back uh, from Miami. So he he had already oh, yeah. co- he had already committed. And he's uh, gonna a be few the weeks that's back. the second back. Yes, and he and that he's a former five star running back who is now. Your your second RB2, running back, that's... And, and now you get Penny Boone <laughs> in the mix as well. Um, you know, as an absolute monstrous uh, running back at six six one, two hundred and forty two pounds. So you know that that's what you're dealing with. And then you also get the news that Jeff Brom brought in not one but both of Tennessee's starting safeties uh, to Marion McDonald as well as Wesley Walker. Uh, 6'1", 200 pounds for Walker, 6'2", 208 pounds for McDonald. Both absolute playmakers. Walker was listed as the number one highest rated returning safety in the SEC before his transfer. And now he's headed to Louisville. So you had the top returning safety in terms of his production from the 2023 season. Now is going to be sitting up for the Cardinals. And then Tamarian McDonald, who was considered the higher NFL caliber draft pick and guy with the higher ceiling. So he get both of those guys in as well. You added also um, a, a, a Division II transfer from Tuskegee College, Antonio Meek, 6'2", 290 pounds. You add a very athletic linebacker in Juriente Davis, a transfer from Texas A&M. Yep. Uh, and yeah. then you get a, a big uh, offensive lineman, Rasheed Miller, uh, coming over, uh, 6'7", 310 pounds as well, a guy who had um, offers from a bevy of SEC and Big Ten schools. So, um, I mean – 
It's been outstanding the way it just seems like everybody that that Jeff Brom has targeted, um, he's made happen. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, I, and I forget about Tayon Holloway, Holloway, who was a cornerback that came over. He was a cornerback at uh, North Carolina, was a four star cornerback out of high school. Um, I mean, I literally forgot that that dude had even committed to Louisville. But now I'm looking at the list of transfers. He's going to be in here. Um, got him in as well. And, you know, of course, we remember uh, Isaiah Cummings and some of the other guys, the former male standout uh, that made his transfer back from UK. We, uh, Of course, the number one wide receiver in the transfer portal, Colin Lacey, he came in uh, earlier as well. So, I mean, Jeff Brown is on an absolute heater. And if that wasn't enough, now Louisville is, uh, is um, sitting as the projected team to get former five-star tight end Jaleel Skinner, a transfer from Miami. He was a flip of a commitment from Alabama on his uh, decision day, flipped from Alabama to Miami, had a standout uh, season in 2022. Um, averaging almost 20 yards of reception for Miami in his freshman se- uh, year. He set out 2023 with an injury. So say. this is a young man that's going to have at least three. Uh, you know, I they get weird, weird about how many years of eligibility he have with this whole super senior thing. But I believe he has three years of eligibility left. Uh, so he'll be, uh, you know, if he does commit to Louisville, um, just another piece. Um, I mean, it's been unbelievable. Like, like Jeff Brom has just been – on an absolute tear, like I like that's the only way. Like I don't even know how to quantify what this dude is doing right now. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Um, just the, the everything that that he's uh, that he's doing, everything that Jeff Brom has been. I mean, it just seems like everything he's touched is turned to gold. We saw the pictures last night. He was making the rounds around Louisville, visiting a bunch of the top prospects. Uh, you know, going to visit kids all around the city. I mean, this is the what we've been looking for. Jeff Brom is out making it happen. He even uh, poked into the uh, uh, LIT semifinals last night. Uh, shout out to St. X got the win last night in very um, – controversial fashion uh, beat Trinity in overtime and what looked to be a basket that was allowed after the buzzer. Um, it really? Didn't, yeah, it didn't look like St. X got the ball off uh, before the, the buzzer went off. You can clearly see that the uh, red trim around the backboard is lit up and the ball is still in the young man's hands. Uh, but, you know, they allowed the layup. St. X gets the overtime win. Trinity goes down. So kind of a big upset. You said Brom was there. Brom was there. Is, Brom, he, is he an alum from one of those? Uh, yeah, Brom was at Trinity. Okay. Uh, Brom was Trinity quarterback. Yeah, so you know, Trinity alum going out there supporting his guys. So you know, I mean, it, it was definitely um, uh, a, a very exciting thing out there. And Brom knows the city. He loves the city. He's about the city. So I mean, he's hitting home runs in the transfer portal. He's hitting the home runs with the local kids going out there being a part of the community. So while, you know, there's a lot of question marks and a lot of angst, uh, you know, with Louisville basketball, um, Louisville football is in good hands. And I mean, it's just exciting if they can find a way. I mean, they've already gotten the number like Mark Redman was the number one tight end in the transfer portal. Like Louisville has at least five or six guys that were considered the best at their position in the transfer portal, and they've picked them, you know, picked all these guys up. The number one tight end they got, the number one running back they got, the number one wide receiver they brought in. I think that I think that all is is reason, and this is just a conspiracy theory here. Yes. I think he has no idea who the quarterback is at the moment. I mean, you know, you have Tyler Shuck, who came over from Texas Tech. You know, uh, a guy who has all, you know, is believed to be have NFL-caliber talent. 
He has NFL size, NFL athleticism, and an NFL arm. You know, he has all of the um, tangibles. The question is, can he stay healthy? He's never played more than seven games. But, yeah, I, I think that Brom has put enough – I believe he feels like he has put enough pieces in place, both bolstering the defense as well as bringing in weapons offensively. Yeah, like we're going to be a running team that, now. That, that I feels like – I think it feels like he feels like he can work around the quarterback. If the yeah. quarterback – you know, whoever it is. Like, you know, in a perfect world, Tyler Shuck plays all 13 games or 12 games, uh, and then the 13 would be hopefully an ACC championship game. But, the, you know, you feel like if Shuck is healthy – that's perfect scenario because now you have playmakers at all three levels at all the you know offensive positions. I mean, the the tight end spot was not a uh, spot of strength last year. It was definitely an area of need. He went out there and by far addressed it. When you bring in Redmond, you bring over Isaiah Cummings. Uh, you know now you have the possibility of uh, bringing over this young man from uh, Miami as well, and Jaleel Skinner. Uh, you've greatly bolstered that tight end position. You restocked uh, the wide receiver position with Colin Lacey. Have you and- read up on Joseph Stone? JoJo Stone is is an absolute monster. Uh, he you know he's a young man that I think is going to have an opp- opportunity uh, to play immediately as a true freshman. I know he um, enrolled. Uh, he's in school now. Um, he he's uh, started oh, wow. started enrolled early so he could go through spring practice. Good for him. Um, so you know he's already here. You brought over Jacory Brooks, uh, the transfer uh, five star former five star wide receiver from Alabama. Um, so you have him as well. I mean, so you have a lot of playmakers. We already talked about the running backs that you brought in. You brought in a bevy of wide receivers. You completely retooled the tight end room. And let's not forget they have a you know borderline four-star, five-star tight end in uh, um, Jamari Johnson, who was a freshman this year, um, you know, who's a monster, you know, what, 6'8", 250 pounds or so. Yeah. So, I mean, you have him as well that'll be a, a, a you know, a red shirt freshman next year. Uh, so, you know, Louisville has a lot of players. So it's all about, I think, Brown believing that he can kind of work around that tight end, or excuse me, work around the quarterback spot because he has enough playmakers. If I have you, you know, if I have you a good offensive line and I have you good playmakers, I can scheme up whoever's the quarterback. Shook, hopefully he stays healthy and he's the man. But even if not, we have Brady Allen, we have Pierce Clarkson, we have the rest of these guys that I feel like I can put them in position to succeed. You know, and I think that's the way he's looking at it. And, and you know, with the additions that he's made on on offense and on defense. Um, I mean, the announcement that Quincy Riley is returning. Quincy Riley was probably the best cornerback in the ACC this year, and Quincy Riley just made the announcement he was coming back. To Louisville. Yeah. I mean, and this is coming off the heels of the announcement that Ashton Gelati, who was the best defensive end in the ACC, decided he was coming back. Louisville returns their best two players on defense. Okay. They've added guys like Thor Griffith. They've added guys like those bookend safeties uh, from Tennessee. Um, you know, I mean, that they uh, bring back a healthy TJ Capers, uh, who was a five star, the number one rated outside linebacker um, uh, last year coming out of high school. He's been recovering from a knee injury. He's an absolute mammoth uh, linebacker. When you look at TJ Capers, he looks like a D, he almost looks like a, a hybrid offensive lineman slash defensive end he's so big yeah but he i mean you know you're talking a guy who's probably 6'4 235 240 pounds he's a massive human being but he's literally an edge rusher 
You know, you're talking about speed, athleticism, quickness. He was out. He set out all of last year. You bring back Stan Quan Clark, who was a standout as a true freshman. I mean, Louisville just has so many playmakers. Antonio Watts is back. TJ Quinn is back. Uh, Louisville football is in very good shape. Very good shape. You know, like people ask, you know, should we expect that Louisville um, be a contender again for the ACC championship game? Definitely, I think absolutely. Definitely. I think absolutely. I think we're. I think. I, mean, I think we have the best best roster in the conference. I agree. I mean, like like right now, as it stands right now, Louisville has a lot of answers coming back. And when you look at um, you know some of the other teams and look at who they've lost, I mean, uh, Drake May is gone from North Carolina. Uh, you know, Clemson still uh, returns the, their quarterback. I know he, he'll be back. I know uh, Miami's ha- had to retool uh, some spots there. So, I mean, you know, with the transfer portal, it's really kind of hard to tell who has what right now. Um, you know, but I, I'm Clemson is still trying to get their head wrapped around this whole transfer thing. Like, they, I don't think they've added a single transfer yet uh, in the transfer portal season, um, which kind of, you know, we know Dabo's, uh, you know, kind of um, – aversion to really utilizing the transfer portal, which has kind of gotten him under scrutiny. Uh, But, you know, I I don't know what Clemson has in the coffers, but we will see. But I'll tell you what, we're going to go ahead. We're going to hit this last break of the day. When we come back, um, we're going to go ahead and get into Super Wild Card Weekend. Um, You know, I want to talk about these matchups. I want to get Roman's opinions. We're going to do, you know, we're going to talk about the games. We're going to predict some scores. And I'm going to get Roman's prediction on the uh, the Louisville-NC State game as well. So you are listening to Wake Up 502, uh, Rashad Myers. Intern Roman taking care. We'll be back on the Big X. And welcome back in. Welcome back in. Last segment of the show. Rashawn Myers, intern, Roman taking care of you. 96.1 FM, 1450 AM. We are the Big X. This is Wake Up 502. Uh, talking a lot of Louisville basketball, a whole lot of Louisville recruiting. Uh, got your text coming in hot and heavy, 502-414-1450. Uh, Thornton's text line. Uh, text there. We're going to jump right back into it before we get to our predictions and get Roman's thoughts on the uh, Super Wildcard weekend. Texter says, uh, do you think the Florida cornerback flipped to Penn State uh, changed his mind because of Quincy Riley? Uh, Jalen Kimber, uh, the cornerback from Florida, I do think that uh, Quincy Riley making the decision that he made came out of the fact that that Riley was coming back. I do agree uh, that that is a situation that um, probably prompted him to go. But between um, the cornerback flip that we had from North Carolina, I think that young man is more of a reserve. He'll be a you know he'll be fighting for a number two on the depth chart. But the one guy that I want to Remind people that Louisville got. They got a 6'1", 190-pound cornerback transfer from UCF, Corey Thornton, who's an absolute beast uh, for UCF. He was UCF's best defensive back. Uh, playing in the Big 12 this year, he was outstanding. I mean, in my personal opinion, he should have at least been a um, consideration for all-conference 
uh, cornerback. So I think Corey Thornton, especially at his size, uh, 6'1", 190 out of Miami, Florida, uh, you put him in, you bring back Quincy Riley, uh, you return Aaron Williams, who was a four-star cornerback out of California, who was considered the number one cornerback in the state of California. Of course, he was rehabbing a knee injury last year, so this will be his first year and first opportunity to go through spring practice and kind of start to get his, his legs back under him. Um, I would expect that Louisville will go out and probably bring in one more defensive back to be a part of the team. But, you know, I think that Louisville's going to be pretty well set. But, yeah, I think Jalen Kimber probably saw the writing on the wall with Quincy Riley coming back. So he made that decision to go ahead and do that. Um, so, you know, that that's just my personal opinion. I have another texture in. I uh, uh, um, have my pops texting in this morning, uh, Roman. So uh, let's see what my dad had to say. He said, Young Rock. Was, uh, Rocky's my nickname, so that's why he always calls me Young Rock. I was wondering who that – I was like, who's this about? Yeah, he's like, Young Rock. Uh, this young team will do nothing but get better because they are playing for KP, and he expelled the players – uh, that didn't deserve to wear the jersey. KP is invested in this program. Flowers' absence impacts this team, let alone the injuries next year. Kenny and these players will be exponentially better if they don't go into the portal. Okay, first of all, you play with the, the, the players that you brought. Nobody told Kenny Payne to go out there and bring over Danilo Jovanovic. I love Danilo. Uh, you what do know. you love Danilo for? Uh, I mean, he's a he's a nice guy. <laughs> he's, a nice he's, guy. He's, he's got good hair, uh, but you know, like Danilo does nothing. The man's out on the court 10, 12, 15 minutes and hardly ever impacts. It was supposed the game. to be some stretch big. Ah, come on. You know, you, you bring over Danilo Jovanovic. You bring uh, over Karan Davis, who gets booed out the program. Kenny Payne put this team together, so I don't want to hear excuses about you know, oh well, the team will be better because these are the guys that he has or these are the guys that he wanted. At the end of the day, you have to play with the cards that you've been dealt. And Kenny Payne has not done good enough with what he has. Now, does he have an opportunity to change some of that today with a back, you know, to back up that Miami win with another win against NC State? Absolutely. And if you do that, you can continue to say that, well, there's a chance for him to turn it around. But one win doesn't mean anything by itself. Okay, you know, like I said, they had one win last year against Clemson. They had one win against Wake uh, WKU. They had, you know, individual games where, you know, things kind of set right and they won a game. But, you know, Kenny's kind of buried, you know, he's dug his own grave. Now, he hasn't jumped in the grave yet, but he's definitely uh, dug that joint uh, six feet deep. So, you know, he hasn't jumped in it yet, but he's definitely teetering. Yeah, you know, so I mean, at this point, all we're waiting is for Stone Cold Steve Austin to sneak up from the back, give him a stunner, and him go flying in in the, in the grave. <laughs> okay, so you know, Kenny's got to he's dug his hole. Like there, there is no more, you know, next year and transfer port. No, no, that's all done. You win now, or you're not going to be here. No one cares about excuses at this point. I mean, it just is what it is. You have to, you know. Uh, you know what or get off the pot i agree with the last line your dad says the next year kenny and these players will be exponentially better if they don't go into the portal however i just don't know how much it matters yeah yeah i mean well because talent's never been the issue and, and that's my biggest thing you know and i said it last year louisville by the rankings that you know they they do like a, a composite ranking of all the teams you know with guys composite rankings coming out of high school okay so they basically look at all the teams put all their star ratings together and then give them a score oh, for we've got one of the best teams in the ACC if you do oh, that oh absolutely well and that was the thing last year when Louisville went 4 and 28 Louisville had the 37th best roster 
in college basketball. Uh, I didn't know it was that. They had the 37th best roster. So out of 350-some-odd teams, there was only 36 teams that had more talent than Louisville last year, and they won four games. It's not about talent. It's not like anybody who still thinks it's about players and that's why Louisville is losing doesn't know basketball or doesn't want to doesn't want to know. And, and they're just making excuses. Or so you're a Kenny lover and you're trying to give way too much it's, benefit. It's, it's to just not that. about talent. Like it's never been about players. It's about organization. It's about um, you know, discipline. It's about doing the right things and playing as a team, yeah. as a cohesive unit. I mean, that's where Louisville has fallen short. So, you know, sorry, Pops, but uh yeah, I, I just I don't I don't see it. I don't see it. But uh, you know what? Let's go ahead and switch over. We only have about 15 minutes left in the show. Definitely want to get to Super Wild Card Weekend. Roman, I am very, very excited about these matchups. I am as well. As a Ravens fan, I am deathly afraid of the Cleveland Browns. (laughs) I do not want to see the Cleveland. I am going to be a Texans fan this afternoon, 4.30 p.m. on NBC. Texans at home taking on the Browns. Like, what are you thinking? Like, is this whole Joe Flacco thing? Like, is this is this for real? Like, you know. Uh, for, so but, here's what I will say. Yes, that's all the Browns need. If you before Joe Flacco's there, they that's all that's their missing piece. I mean, obviously they got some a few different things that could be better, but yeah, the the Browns quarterback room has been their issue the last three four years. Yeah. Um, and even up to this year before Flacco, and even with Flacco, it hasn't been. It's not like they're amazing, you know what I mean? They're just they've got that threat now. They can right. they can use Amari's deep threat now. They can they can Injoku since <laughs> Flacco, they're that big tight end with the dreads. Since he, since Flacco's been there, he's been like an all star level tight end. Yeah, um, or all pro, I should say. Um, so they haven't had anybody with the weapons that they have on the team who can who can really sling the ball like Flacco has. Yes. Can. But, I mean, I don't know. The defense, I don't know. That's, they're scary. I was telling a friend of mine last night, the Browns, they're scary. They, they could, they could. I don't think they beat Baltimore if they come to Baltimore. But I, th- I just don't want the chance for the storyline. Yeah, so the storyline returns the coming Baltimore, to reap what he's so, you know. like you know, it, it's, And it's, it's a Cleveland defense that of all the teams in the NFL, the Cleveland defense by far gives Lamar the most fits. Yeah, that's the one that he doesn't want to see. You know, like I just don't want – that to even be a possibility. <laughs> so I am going to be CJ Stroud, my brother, Nico Collins. I need for yeah, you I'm all. Not, you know, if if the NFL, if there's any form of oh. the NFL having to say so at all, I bet you they don't know what to do because of the two storylines. If you got the rookie who didn't go number one, make yeah. it win his first playoff game and you know, go into Baltimore and I have mean, a CJ Stroud, to... unbelievable, four thousand yards passing in his first, you know, you know, NFL season. He's just polished. He's out there. Yeah. He's only five interceptions too. He's he's. Yeah. I think that's the best ratio in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, he's been unbelievable, and, and you know, just the fact that you know people kind of question him and 
kind of tried to throw cold water on him and just talk about why Bryce Young was such a better quarterback coming out and just question Stroud's work ethic and his intelligence and all this stuff. And he's just done nothing but come out there and prove the haters wrong. Um, you know, I, I've been glad to see it. Um, and I hope I hope they can find a way to get it done because the, 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 the Browns do scare me. I think that the Cleveland Browns, of everybody in the AFC right now, I think would give the Ravens the toughest test to get into the Super Bowl, in my personal opinion. I, I, I like them better than any of the other teams out if, there. If their secondary is fully healthy, Mike Ford, Denzel Ward, if that full Cleveland Browns defense is healthy, they uh, – I I, <laughs> I don't know. Houston will have a rough day because Houston won't be able to run the ball how they have, um, which has not been their better. You know, they they're better in the air than they are on the ground. But being on being able sustainable on the ground, Singletary and then um, the other back they've got, those two guys being a pretty good one-two punch has been the reason they've been able to, you know, be a better team than what people thought they were going to be. Yeah. And the Browns are the <laughs> well, don't they? Browns have the best. Best run defense in the NFL. I oh say. yeah, they have so, the number one defense in the NFL by far, just across the board. It seems it's like ridiculous. But Denzel Ward and um, what's his name, um, Mike Ford, they're both questionable. Yes, that's the two starting cornerbacks, I believe. Yeah. So, I mean, and, and Nico Collins. I mean, especially with he Ward can burn. Hurt. Nico yeah. Collins. I have him on fantasy. He has been my flex all year yeah, on fantasy. It's, it's crazy because he's literally the only healthy. Wide, starting wide receiver that they have, and people still can't cover him. Like they know they're going yeah. to him, and he's just running. And he's like the outside man. Like, yeah, he's running he's the running long, straight over routes. The place. He's running the <laughs> the routes that are not easy to guard, but easier than those, you know, three druke slants and stuff like yeah. that. He's just trying to beat you once and burn you, and, and he's doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's unbelievable. So you know, I, I am definitely going to be pulling for the Texans. So like, g g give me your thoughts. G give me a score prediction. What what are you thinking? Browns Texans first game of the day, four thirty p.m. NBC gonna be down there in NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas. What do you think? I I'm keeping it conservative. I think Cleveland is a one and a half point favorite. Yeah, by the way, I, I know that. I don't believe. That. I don't. I don't think either team. I think. I don't think. I think it's a touchdown game. Um, I, I want to say, or maybe a little more. I want to say like twenty three seventeen. Uh, um, twenty three seventeen in favor of of Cleveland on a comeback kind of a win. Okay, that's that's just my prediction. Obviously, I'm a I'm the I'm a Saints fan, so yes. I'm naturally supporting Lamar through yes. through these next few weeks. Absolutely. Um, and I don't want to I don't want Cleveland up in Baltimore at all. Yeah. <laughs> so I would love to see the Houston Texans win. I just think experience um is gonna come into play here. Um, and 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 the weapons that you know, Amari Cooper, Flacco, and Joku. Um, for the running back, th those guys, I think are gonna gonna get it done. I, I I'm I fear. Yeah, uh, and you know what? I I am looking at this game, and I've gone back and forth on this. Um, you know, Texans are at home. You know, you would think the young team playing at home that would be something that would really help them out. I watched their game against the Colts last week. They were very impressive, making plays when they needed to. Yes, great, um, great on third you down. Know, Getting those plays, you know, making those plays. I mean, C.J. Stroud looks like a veteran um, back there. He's unflappable. Um, but I think just having Nico Collins as their only threat, like to me, I just – I think you have to have a bit more balance. It seemed like it was pretty much just throw it to Collins every – play <laughs> like and I just against the Browns defense even with them banged up um, with that pass rush I just 
I think it'll be an ugly game. I don't think it'll be very high scoring. I think Browns get it done like on a field goal, like 2017. Okay. Um, so I'm going to take the Browns to get the win um, and, and make my nerves just completely be shot heading into uh, the, the, the games the following day. But, yeah, give me the Browns 2017. I think they get it done. I think they cover the one and a half. I uh, will say this. Yes, sir. If the Texans do run the ball well, they will win the game. That's fair. That's if Singletary, fair. if Singletary and Pierce can both, you know, get up, the, the, they definitely need to have a run game to balance. That that'll be the only way they win is if that if the if the run game is is working as well as the pass game because if it's not, then you're relying on literally CJ and and um, Nico pretty much. I yeah. mean Schultz is a good. They got a good tight end there too, but yeah, they got to run the ball to have a chance. I agree. I agree. Absolutely. All right. So second game of the day, it is the Taylor Swift special. Uh, It's going to be out there in Kansas City expecting a negative 35 wind chill. Miami is not ready for that. One of the coldest games in the history of NFL football. Kansas City is a four and a half point favorite there. It is going to be right now AccuWeather current temperatures there. Um, in Kansas City, negative four degrees right now, um, and Lord knows what it's going to be by kickoff. Um, but right now, negative four degrees there. Um, you know, Tyreek Hill says that he's going to come out there and he's going to play with no sleeves on. He's going to, you know, show that 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 you know this weather ain't nothing but a mindset. Well, to be fair, he's you. You just did this, Tyreek, for <laughs> for a few years. You were not not that cold, but you. You've got a lot more experience in the cold than anybody else on yeah. that team. Yeah. All I know is this. I know what science says. And science says nobody should be going outside without protection in that type of weather conditions. Anybody, Because somebody says, yeah, somebody's going to come outside and warm up with no shirt on. If anybody comes out there to Arrowhead Stadium with no shirt on, they are, they are an absolute fool. <laughs> Ah, that's negative thirty-five windshield. Somebody's gonna, gonna be, do it. I mean, it's gonna be probably negative fifteen by the time that game kick, yeah. kicks off at eight o'clock. Sun, that sun's gonna go down, and it's gonna get cold. I mean, I just, I, I'm sorry. Like, I, I believe in the whole NFL tough guy thing, but this is not a game. Like, this weather is not something where you play with Mother Nature. No. Like, I don't want to lose f- f- limbs. <laughs> or lose toes and fingers because I'm trying to show how tough I am. Yeah. Like, we know you're tough. It's going to be cold. Wrap up, you know what I'm saying, and, and get ready <clears throat> for a game that's going to be very low scoring. Fair. It's going to be about the running game. And this is where I have an interesting take on it. So I'm actually going to go first, and then you can give me your thoughts. Okay. In my personal opinion, I think that this game, the passing game is going to be non-existent. Okay. It's going to be, if Tyreek Hill makes an impact on this game, it's going to be on reverses or maybe some sort of a screen Jet pass. Jet sweeps. Or- You're not going to be able to throw the ball down the field. Like, it's too cold. Like, the, the ball doesn't travel the same. The wind's blowing. The wind's blowing. <laughs> it's going to be, this is not a condition to pass the ball. And in my personal opinion, when I look at these two teams, when I look at the team that has the better running game, it's the Dolphins. It is. When I look at Raheem Mostert and I look at A-Chain, uh, is that how you say his name? Day, I've A-Chain? heard A-Chain. I've heard Akane. <laughs> yeah. Well, how it, I think it's A-Chain is at least how I believe it's pronounced. But when I look at A-Chain and Mostert, 
I like their running backs better than I like the you know Pacheco um, and, and the other guy for for I the like Chiefs. their catching ability too. Those running backs, yes. Like I I actually think that the Dolphins will not only cover this. I think the Dolphins get a win in like a nine to six ball game. It's gonna be a very low scoring game unless Tyreek Hill can find a way to shake loose on like a screen and run it 70 yards. Well, that's the interesting thing about this game cuz you're right. It's going to be the passing game is going to be short distance. Yes. The 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 Miami's the best team after after the catch. I mean, Kansas City's wide receivers are horrible. You got Kelsey, he's going Kelsey going to get you 7 yards every time you throw the ball. I mean, and Kelsey's been banged up and especially in that cold weather you get hit in that cold like yeah, no. I, I like I, I feel like both teams are going to lean on their running game and I just I like the Dolphins running game more. I, do too. I think so, Pacheco has a big game. Yeah. I think he definitely has a big game, but you don't have that dual like you you've got two guys in Miami who can both Yes. Run and that that short six distant passes, they can catch it and fly. Um, and that's gonna be the difference maker. You don't have any real, real Pacheco can catch and fly, but that's not what they use him for really. Um yeah. because he's a great blocker too. So they he usually blocks when they throw the ball. But I mean he still does, you know, he catches a lot of those check downs and stuff. Um I, I think most certain H Chan have a great, great day, and then you've got that third Tyreek, come here. You know, yeah. put him in put him in motion and just just hike it you know it's like it's still a pass attempt but it's five yards and let him do his thing they have more more of a playbook that that is gonna accommodate that than uh i think check the kansas city chiefs do i think you're right i'm right there with you it's tough to to bet against Mahomes, but yeah i mean not, miami has lost their last 10 games where it was 40 degrees or colder so miami does not play well in the cold um everybody knows that that's a big stat kansas city chiefs you know, have won, I don't know how many, 15 straight games at home in the playoffs. Um, so, like, we understand all the numbers, and everything says that you should choose the Kansas City Chiefs to win this game. But when I look at the nuts and bolts and I say, who's got the better running game? Because it's going to be about who can run it. I mean, I just, I do. I like the Chiefs. But, you know, we'll, we we shall see. But, uh, yeah, I'm taking 9-6. Do you have a score prediction on that one? Uh, no. 13-7. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be <laughs> And I can't, I'm not weird. even going to pick a winner. I just no, I don't think a team scores 21 points. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, let's go ahead and shoot through these other, other games really quickly. Steelers and Bills, what are you thinking? Uh, you know, who do you like in this one? The Bills are a nine-and-a-half point favorite. That's I think the Steelers cover that. I think Najee has a great game. I think it's actually a close game, but the Bills get a get a tough win. You know, this is the type of game because the Steelers don't do anything special. If T.J. Watt was healthy, I would pick the Steelers to win this game mm-hmm. um, because the Bills just continue to just stub their own toe and get in their own way, and Jared Allen just acts like interceptions don't matter. And this is the type of game that Steelers win with a team that just completely shoots themselves in the foot over and over and over again. Yeah. But because they don't have T.J. Watt, I am going to say that the Bills win, but I don't think the Bills cover that 9.5. I don't either. I think the Bills win the game. I think it's a three-point game. But I think it's, yeah, I think it's a three-point game. Uh, give me the Bills uh, in a very close win uh 17 14 uh so i'm gonna say bills bills win it but it's gonna be very close i like um, that i like 21 24 okay there we go there we go uh cowboys packers so what what are you thinking in this one uh do the cowboys fans have anything to worry about they're a seven point favorite at home uh what are you thinking about this one i don't think so i think they 
I think they right around there how it should. I thought I thought it would be closer to that Buffalo kind of spread. Honestly, yeah. Packers have been playing. You know, they've had their moments in those nine wins. Those have had some amazing games in those nine wins, and then a couple of those losses they shouldn't have lost. But Cowboys, they're 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 at this time of year. This is their weld oil machine time of year. So um, I think they get it done pretty easy. I think they cover that safely. I think the defense, if the defense, you know, the, there's a high chance the defense scores. So. Um, or the defense plays better than the offense. And if that's the case, then I think they cover nine and a half more around there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm in agreement with you. I, I think I like the Cowboys. Packers are playing well. Jordan Love has been balling. Their wide receivers look really good. I think Compared it's going to the start be a, of the year, very good. Yeah. Like, I, I think that they're, they're, it's going to be a game. Um, I think the Packers are going to stay tough, but um, I just think the Dallas Cowboys will win a shootout yeah. like 38 35. I think, I think they underestimate be, the Packers, and the Packers score more points yes. than the Cowboys are planning to. I, I think the Cowboys pull it out, but I think they're going to be in a fight today. Yeah. Uh, these last two games, uh, Lions, Rams, Bucks, Eagles, um, you know, give me the Lions. I think that the Rams are going to get busted. Um, and then the last game, give me, give me the Buccaneers for the upset over the Eagles. I think the Eagles are just ready to go home Baker and go Mayfield? to sleep. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I think Stafford scares the Lions into a similar shootout type of game. How that Cowboys Packers that the Lions end up winning. Um, Eagles Buccaneers. Uh, Eagles have no reason to lose, which makes me feel like they're gonna. So <laughs> they. <laughs> There you go. Hey, and Louisville game today. Sorry, y'all. I just don't think Louisville gets it done. I think Burns is a little bit much for Brandon Huntley, Hatfield, Cardinals. Lose a close one. I think it'll be a 10-point game like 80-70 or 70-60. I think 80-71 in NC's favor with Louisville leading at halftime if you're a first-half money line better. There you go. Hey, appreciate it, Roman. Thanks so much, everybody listening. Thank you to everybody who texted in. For Rashawn Myers, for Anton Roman, yeah. See you guys. Sports Talk, 1450 and 96.1 FM.